Hi everyone, Taylor here. You know, at our podcast, we were wanting to center the perspectives of people who look like us and women, as well as marginalized people who has been historically pushed to the sideline of conversations. So, if you haven't already, we welcome you to engage through our Instagram or Facebook page by leaving a comment, or simply support us by subscribe our podcast from Acast. Apple, Spotify, and Google—it will make a huge differences to increase our visibility and centering the conversations we have from our pod. Enjoy today's episode. Hey, y'all! This is Jessie. Hi, this is Helen. And we are Asian bitches down under. It is the—I think I'm the 33rd, 34th day of、uh, lockdown in Sydney here. Yeah, we're just coming to the end of the fifth week lockdown. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> How are you feeling? <laughs> I'm feeling okay. I I think there's not much changes in my life apart、mm. from we really can't go and see each other. That's right. And go and visit our parents. I think the challenges of not seeing family is one impact for me. But other than that, I guess you know working from home. That's that's about it. I guess I'm just like you know that. Turned that our dad always use, uh, 认命 as in right endure, and endure. Yeah, as in like just put up with your fate. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean the whole of Sydney is putting putting up with this um these restrictions anyway. It just feels so strange、mm-hmm. because it feels as though like the rest of the world is kind of moving on. Yeah,、mm-hmm. and we are we we are taking a giant leap backwards. Yeah, that's true. Well, because we're falling behind on our vaccination rollouts, so、yeah. and there's a lot of like、um, vaccination hesitancies, like people not wanting to get it. At the same time, we don't have enough certain vaccination for like certain group of age.、Mm. Yeah, I guess we just all have to put up with it, unfortunately. Yeah, how are you holding up? Um, yeah, I am trying to manage my. Um, I'm quite hypochondriac, and so I'm trying to just, um, manage that fear because the Delta strain is、mm-hmm. um actually quite airborne. Yes. Um, you can transmissible, so、mm-hmm. like that's quite frightening to me, and it's definitely making me reluctant to go to the shops.、Mm-hmm. Um, I have started gross delivering groceries, which, like, I tend to not like because it feels so indulgent,、mm-hmm. but. I feel as though it's actually a safety precaution now. If I can do anything to avoid going out, then I will.、Mm-hmm. It's safety for everyone and for the rest of the community as well. And you were just talking、yeah. about your housemate. Well, yeah, I don't really want to bitch about them because <laughs> there's nothing to bitch about. But it's hard when you can't control the lives of people around you who are not really friends and also not really like strangers. They're like、mm-hmm. halfway between. Yeah, and so you want to be like respectable. Respectful to their and their liberty,、mm-hmm. but I I think they're quite sensible. So、okay. I suppose I just have to trust that it would be okay.、Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I'm waiting for my AZ vaccination next week, so、mm-hmm. I'm kind of just gonna hole up for a whole week. But yeah, you're right, Helen. I should just wear a mask indoors anyway. 
not that that would help. Like, I feel like um, if they are COVID positive, I would just get it just because, like, you know, we use the same kettle handle, for instance, mm-hmm. or the same uh, taps, you know? Yeah. Well, speaking of uh, vaccination, I got my first jab earlier this week. Um, nice. I was, how do I describe it? I was lucky enough, I had a friend who was in the industry. She knows that there's a there was a batch coming through into one of the um, medical center. So she asked mm. friends around saying that, oh, has anyone booked yet? Or are you waiting to get your visa? You know, we can perhaps put you on the appointment first. And this was like at the end of June, I think. I start booking, making the booking for vaccination when I just turned 40 at the beginning of June. So... During that time, I think a lot of people start making bookings. So I couldn't get my vaccination either at North Shore Hospital or Olympic Park. The earliest one that I could get was August. Mm. And my friend said that, oh, they got a batch in at Hongsby, one of the clinic. They can get me in like at the end of July. So I booked in with her. That's how I got my first jab on Monday. And I was quite excited and nervous at the same time. Because mm. I didn't know what kind of like side effects I'll get. Yeah. It's all very different to individuals. Right, yeah. Yeah. It can be okay, I think. So you didn't experience any side effects? Um, only, a, I feel a bit of bruisiness right. on my arm and that's mm, it. Yeah. Like the second day, I can still go out and do exercise. I was doing exercise with Zoom with my friends the very next day morning. So it was all fine for me. I didn't feel any drowsiness, headache or anything. Yeah, yeah. right. Oh, apparently, the people I've spoken to who have had the AstraZeneca have told me that you there's a real quite severe side effect for two days after. Like you get Mm -hmm. kind of fluey and cold. Um, So I'm kind of expecting for that to happen, which I'm not looking forward to. Yeah, but Uh, it's better than like getting COVID, I guess. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. So what kind of um, stuff have you been looking at this week? I've been reading books and watching one movie. Okay. Do you want to start with yeah, start with what you've been going through? Okay, so I've been listening to a lot of podcasts the last two weeks. There was two that I want to mention. The, one, the first one is the ABC's Ladies We Need to Talk. I thought that one was really interesting because it was on the topic of interracial marriage. It's interesting because I listened to the stories of the people that is very similar to my experience as well especially of people of color they went through uh, relationships or are in relationships now and they feel sometimes they feel defeated because you're trying to explain a lot of con concepts to your white partner and because Mm. you're not you don't have the same um or similar childhood background is really hard for them to understand and especially for people of color living or growing up in western countries and you often often mm. get clashes, like the white partner sometimes get defensive when you bring up some race issues. That I had that before. Mm. You know, it's slowly progressing, but it it pops up sometime on and off. Yeah, and the other one is um, I think it was the the Daily. Yeah, it was a Daily, the New York Times, about the um, Van Gogh's one of uh, Van Gogh's sisters in law who. Mm. Um, actually managed van gogh's yeah managed van gogh's assets van gogh's, uh, and paintings, paintings. yeah that one was right. really really good i believe that was an autumn article helen yeah it was an autumn article as well yeah yeah um it was really good because no one really well not into like last decade people thought about who actually helped and promote van gogh's art into the world yeah because he did it he wasn't popular 
he wasn't known into no, exactly. that he he was dead. So, so yeah, the name was precisely. Jo van Gogh Bonga. I think she's a Dutch born lady mm. who was uh, she's married yeah. to van Gogh's uh, younger brother. Yeah, who used to manage yeah. van Gogh's work when he was alive. Yeah, yeah. So that was really died. good. Yeah, then he died and. It was a really messy yeah. Yeah, story for the both. I have no yeah. idea why, even despite the fact that I've brought up Autumn, mm-hmm. like every single podcast, you still haven't got it. <laughs> like, there's just no point in listening to podcasts when you have Autumn. Like, Autumn gives you not like, I just feel like, um, like with podcasts, uh-huh. there's too much, sometimes there's too much, like, I don't know, it feels like um, sometimes I just don't get very much out of podcasts. Mm-hmm. Like, I want, when I when I listen to something, it needs to be very, very, very somewhat, I feel like it's something that needs to have been worked on for a long time. And like Mm -hmm. with Autumn's pieces, they're like actually structurally edited Mm -hmm. and they're written pieces and they're well written. And like, um, I don't know why you wouldn't get Autumn. Yeah, I should get it. Is there a reason why you... I don't know. It's only $10 think, a month. I think, it's so good. I think I prefer podcasts because I like conversational programs as well. You know, like the ones with interviews and just sometimes programs right, like I'm, us, just lighthearted conversations. Yeah, yeah right. Autumn's is definitely, like you said, they're very structured and investigative pieces. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I feel like um, podcasts, there's just so many to navigate. I, I like yeah, that. Yeah, it's not I easy to navigate. I can, just, I can just like with Autumn, I could just like click on topics that I wouldn't usually listen to. Mm-hmm. But usually there's a topic about a woman or a feminist that, uh, like, for instance, last night I read, um, listened to an amazing one by someone, I think it was for the Atlant, no, it was for Vanity Fair, mm-hmm. and it was about um, Rebecca Newman, who is the wife of Adam Newman, the founders of WeWork. Mm-hmm. You have to listen to that one. That was so okay. good. It just, it's just incredible. It's so fascinating learning about kind of these really wealthy white women who... <laughs> through proximity to their power of like to whiteness and male power male white power Mm -hmm. um, have managed to carve a place in themselves often nefariously Mm. um but yeah um i have been reading myself a lot of rachel cusk this week Mm -hmm. so i finished second place uh it's her latest novel rachel cusk i'm sure listeners know is this a brilliant british writer Uh, she um is famous for the trilogy out outline kudos and something else i'm not sure i haven't read that trilogy but um but second place is about kind of an artist female it's it's about a female who opens up her one of her houses mm-hmm. next door to her own yeah. um, to a very famous artist and it's excruciatingly well written it's so good like I swear she's like a genius of sentences Mm -hmm. and she was recommended to me by my friend Kelly. Shout out to Kelly. And uh, I'm currently reading Kelly's favourite work of Rachel Cusk's called A Life's Work. Have you heard of A Life's Work, Kelly? No, I haven't. I don't read as much as you. (laughs) Yeah, I've got stacks of books that I need to go through. No, I feel like you read just as much as me. Um, So A Life's Work is about, it was very, very, very controversial when it came out. Mm -hmm. It's about Rachel Cusk's experience with motherhood. And it was controversial when it came out because she talks very bluntly and brutally about um, what it's like to be a mother mm-hmm. and it's not a pretty picture. Mm-hmm. And when it came out, she had a lot of people attacking her, saying that she didn't deserve to be a mother because of the oh, way she shit. I understand portrayed that. motherhood. And it was like, I, I felt it was 
I, I'm really loving the book. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm halfway through it. But it's so... But I, I feel like what Rachel Kasker does with A Life's Work is something that I sh- strive to do as a writer, which is mm-hmm. tell, tell it as it is. Mm-hmm. I like honest writers because you feel less alone. That's right. And I think that's the whole purpose. I mean, at least for myself, that is the whole reason that I write and also how the reason why I read Mm -hmm. so that I can feel less alone in my experience of the world yeah I do have a mixed feelings I mean most of the books that we read are very uh, gender or race focused and Mm. I do have a mixed feeling when it comes to motherhood books because sometimes I feel like I don't know if I want to read my own life again Right. Oh, but at the same time, I can understand the sentiments, and I, I want to read for the sake of the writing style. Um, mm. That's why that you know we pick up these books and we can feel related to them, even though if you know most of people might have not gone through that experience. And I don't understand why men don't read those books because they're not interested in motherhood. Because <sighs> it's not an experience they have to put. They have to endure. I just feel like the society experience. needs men to actually pick up those books to understand and yeah. emphasize about. But I think that's just a like the reality of our society that men. It would take a very very long time for men to understand that. Yeah, that's a really good point. I'm gonna ask um, the men around me in my life mm-hmm. if they've ever written a read a book about motherhood and why mm. not. I guess they would say because I know I would never go through that. So. I don't know. Yeah, I, I can understand they would say that, but it doesn't mean that you shouldn't be reading them, you know. like that, I, don't, I don't really yeah, think that's a good yeah. reason at all anyway. Yeah, because we've spent our lives reading books about men doing male things. I know, Probably we would never <laughs> experience. I don't know. How about you? Uh, I want to make uh, mentions of two well uh, one is a short documentary Dimbanka is a documentary about app creator in Taiwan oh okay uh, who tracks the corruptions of politicians like the and also tracking the availabilities of masks during the beginning of pandemic pandemics mm-hmm. last year it's the documentary same production as the fab fabulous that we shared a couple episodes ago this app creator who is like a self-proclaimed IT nerd, he said that people consider ITs are jobs for nerds or geeks. Like he wanted to use his skills to improve on social issues, even if I'm not earning big bucks. So the apps he created was very useful last year during the mm. beginning of the pandemics, uh, tracking the availabilities of the masks in Taiwan down to each individual pharmacies or the convenience stores, the availabilities they can they have. So you don't have to go to a particular store and ask if they have it. Mm. I think there was like a rule in Taiwan last year that due to the very limited amount of masks that you can only go and claim free ones if you have um, odd numbers in your... If you're... Like the social identity right. card number is odd number or even number. You can only claim it on Monday, Wednesday, Friday or Tuesday, um, Thursday, Saturday. They have an right. assistant. Yeah, yeah. So he came up with this app, which is easy for people. They don't have to go out of the house or they don't have to call up That's good. the pharmacy. They can just check up the app. And yeah, and I, he, he actually created another one before that was uh, mm. tracking corruptions of the politicians. <laughs> As in, uh, before the il- individual elections, uh, he followed up uh, 
local politicians, say like local MPs, because it still happens in Taiwan, unfortunately, that the politicians will go out and greet the community and say that, oh, if you vote for me, you'll receive like a thousand dollar rewards, like under the table. Bribe. Not, yeah, bribing. Yeah, not very directly, but very subtly, they will tell the communities、yeah. like that. So he he made a tracking app for that as well, and. Currently, I think he's developing a surveillance、uh, app for the local areas、um, mm. to track down who's who might be doing illegal dumpings or companies、mm. doing、uh, toxic waste around、um, residential areas. So that I thought that was really good. Yeah, amazing. Yeah, and the book that I've read in the last—I actually read this book last week. I finished in two days. It's a Chinese one, and I've mentioned this is a very old book that we spoke about ages ago.、Uh, Fang Shiqi's First Love Paradise, the one. Oh my you, gosh! Wow, you brought. I had no idea you re- read it. <laughs> yeah, you you read an article about her in was it LA? One of the LA. Yeah,、media. I wrote. I wrote an article about her and、uh, the situation of domestic violence、mm-hmm. and. Um, the terrible power imbalances that, and the awful kind of system of adultery, the sort of patriarchal legal system in, in Taiwan. Taiwan. Yeah. Um, in the LA Times, I believe two years ago now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. So so far, they haven't been able to find a English publisher or translator to translate it into English yet. So I read it in Chinese.、Right. Like. I finally kind of settled myself to read it because I know how, like from the reviews I hear from my friends or other readers, saying that it's a very extremely excruciating dark novel. Read, yeah,、right. okay. And and was it? And you know that it is a true story. It's based on a true story, which is making it、right. worse. Um, yeah. So it took me such a long time, like since the beginning of last year. I I got it. I got it on ebook. So I、right. didn't start reading it until last week. That I、yeah. know that my mental status was well enough to read it. Yeah. So I finished、yeah. it within two days.、Mm-hmm. Um, even now, if I speak in about it, like my voice gets shaky. It was really, really good. I think.、Mm-hmm. I I can't understand why it hasn't been translated to English. I think、yeah. it surpassed、uh, Kim Jong Un, nineteen eighty two. Yeah. Yeah. The way for a writer who was twenty six who.、Um, Unfortunately, taken a life after the publish、mm. of this book, she、mm. wrote so very detailedly about the experience of the character, which is based on the、mm. real life. I think she was、mm. she was really talking about her, even though that people was people suspected.、Um, yeah. She uses a lot of、um, quotes from Chinese classic literature、mm. to frame the narratives and to kind of sarcastically. Metaphored the situation of how、yeah. young girls being groomed by、yeah. their teachers in Taiwan, as in the、mm-hmm. power dynamic and the false consumptions that girls believe about romance and love、yeah. they, when they were learning f- through Chinese classical literature. Yeah. So it it was really really good. I think it's it's dark and it's sad, of course, but I think it's a. Work that is worth to be translated. I think it's at the moment it's been translated into Japanese, Korean, and Thai. So there haven't been any. Yeah. yeah. Have you been in conversation with the publishers as to why、um, it's not been translated to English? Because I, I believe you have their contact details. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do. I've sent them emails and asked them about it. They say they have an agency who deals with overseas or other languages translation. 
So mm. they say that the agency are still recruiting for a potential publisher for mm. uh, English translation edition. I don't know how it works in the publishing industry in Taiwan. Apparently, that you have to purchase the Chinese uh, version. By like say English or American or Australia in the case of Stolen Bicycle, and then the English publishers they will allocate a translator to do it, and、mm. I don't know how you know it could be very complicated program.、Uh, it could be a、yeah. very complicated process. process. That's why,、yeah. um, and it is a very sensitive、uh, type of genre, I guess. Maybe、yeah. not a lot of publishers want to approach it because it's right, such a very sensitive, dark issue. Dark issue, very controversial、mm. as well. Because you know the the teacher was never been prosecuted. It went through、yeah. a court, but I think they they、um, what do you call it when they、um, dismissed charges or settled out of court? Yeah, settled out of the court. That's right. Yeah, I think、mm. it was settled out of court. Yeah! Wow. Well,、um, we're going to take a break, and then we're going to come back from that heavy topic, and then talk about stuff that we've seen in the Olympics this week, which has、mm-hmm. been like for Taiwan. Yes.、Um, very good news, especially in the weightlifting categories.、Um, and then Helen and I are both both going to talk about strange、um, things <laughs> we've observed in our cultural consumption.、Yes. We'll be right back. Hey guys, we're back. So, what has been really kind of、mm, at least softening to the blow of lockdown has been the Olympics.、Yes. And I know that my friends and I, and also Helen and our family, have been facetiming each other while we watch the Olympics,、mm-hmm. which has been kind of nice—a nice way to like gather over something that we usually don't do. Like, because I don't know about you, Helen, but I don't feel like we grew up in an especially sporty. Family,、uh-huh. like we watched the tennis, because my、right. mum was obsessed with yeah, the <laughs> Australian Open.、Um, but other than that, we weren't really into it. But yeah, this week we, I know that you and your daughter have been watching archery, which has been pretty cool. Hey, yeah, archery is going like the whole、cool. day.、Yeah. I think it's like an event、yeah. that goes from like morning to afternoon. So yeah, and the and event, the Taiwanese、yeah. team have been quite strong, haven't、mm-hmm. they? Yeah, there have been. Yeah, it's good to know. I never didn't really know that Taiwanese team. Yeah, I didn't、archery. know either. I know that Taiwan is, and also gymnastics. Like, there's a male gymnast、mm-hmm. who's been doing quite well that I、yeah. didn't know we were strong in. I、mm-hmm. I kind of suspected that we were kind of strong in typical Asian sports like badminton and table, table tennis. tennis. Yeah, you know? yeah. But weightlifting, take、yeah. us through some of the amazing things that have happened in weightlifting this week in Taiwan with Taiwanese um athletes. Taiwanese female weightlifter was a highlight、mm. this week.、Uh, we watched with、uh, us Jessie and I and our other siblings、yeah. through FaceTime、yeah. together, and we were just like having our response to each other, and it was just really、um, exciting. Yeah. I yeah, think because、uh, we know that she has a potential to、mm. win medals. At the Olympics this time. So who are we talking about? You haven't said her name yet. Yeah. So we are talking about Guo Xinchun, who is the Taiwanese fifty-nine kilogram category female weightlifter. She was born in Taichung, which is the southeast coast 
of Taiwan on the 26th of November 1993. So she's very young. She's 27 years old. Yeah. And she's actually has an indigenous background. Mm. From She's from the Amis tribe and her indigenous name is Tana. Oh, cool. She moved around a lot and spent most of the childhood with her grandmom mm. um, as she came from the single parent family and her mom is often out working when her grandmother and her living at the dormitory near factories. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Guo's first sports coach, Lin Shang-Yi, commented that uh, Guo was a very rascal kid in high school. She disliked <laughs> training and often missed trainings and the coaches would have to go out and look for her. Uh-huh. She actually started basketball and track and field events at the very beginning of the high school mm-hmm. and weightlifting was actually like a side event for her. Like she rarely tra- trained for it. Uh, she didn't really like weightlifting during junior high school because she needed to travel to another school away from her own uh, school team since her school didn't have a weightlifting program. Right. At one of the national high school sports competition, uh, which has changed her direction in the sports career, uh, during a 4x400 relay, she accidentally dropped a bat. Is it called bat- baton? Baton, the- yeah. Baton, baton, yeah. Baton, yeah. Baton, yeah which upset her immensely. Uh, however, in on the following day, when she attended the competition for weightlifting, the event that she rarely trained or practiced, she performed so well that she won the gold medal. The gold for medal, the yeah. yeah. <laughs> that was funny. Yeah, her coaches believe that this is the calling for her to focus on weightlifting. Right. Uh, I've watched a documentary uh, video, which our brother sent it to us, the t- a Taiwanese one. Um, it showed uh, Guo when she was in year nine uh, with a coach commenting that she has a good speed, agility, and a very forceful pump to push the weight upwards. There's, mm. a, there's a term in Chinese. I don't know how to translate it in English. Tan tiao. As in, you know, when you, when you push the weight upwards, they, they yeah. often do like a little jump. Yeah, it's like explosive. Both legs. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, explosive. Yeah, yeah. So since winning the go at the national level, her school was able to secure some funding to purchase the weightlifting pro uh, equipment for proper training. Prior to that, the school had either sent the students to another school for training or borrow equipments from local sports college. Co. Guo Xinchun's coach Lin Shangyi uh, saw the potential in Guo and had spent money out of her own pockets to purchase weightlifting platforms and mats. In 2010, Guo commenced her study at Taidong Sports Senior High School under the guidance of the next coach, Pu Yalin. This is when Guo won the silver medals in the Asian Youth Weightlifting Competition and Singapore Youth Olympics. The winnings had enforced her determination to compete internationally. And she spoke uh, on the video about the first impression of the current coach, the mm-hmm. one we said that who yeah, looks like our dad. Our dad. <laughs> so co- what's his name? Coach Lin? Or coach, coach Lin. Uh, Lin Neng. Yeah, he's Jineng. really awesome. Yeah. He's actually very awesome to watch. Yeah, he's really down to earth. Yes, so yes. So her first impression of... Uh, Coach Guo, uh, sorry, Coach Lin was that uh, he looked angry and intimidating. She joined the national team in year 11, which is uh, 2011, and commenced her national team training at Kaohsiung National Training Center. She believes that the most important aspect for her and her coach was the. Uh, how do I translate this? I'm not quite sure how to translate it. As in, they have agreements, but they also have trust with each other. 
Right. as in they know they can read each other's minds. Yes. Yeah, right. Yeah. And she also considers that Coach Lin is the father figure to her. Yeah. So in the video, Coach Lin said that Xin Chun is very suitable to do weightlifting. She has explosive and powerful push, which is essential for uh, weightlifting. We don't really focus on adding too much weight at once, but she knows where to concentrate and improve at every training. She's aware when to step out of her comfort zone, and I think that's the aspect of being a good athlete. When she's comfortable with certain weights, she will push herself to the next level. Xinchun considers that every challenge is a supplement to her training and always maintain a very positive attitude. I think the positive attitude that we see uh, this time at Olympics was really important. Yeah. Um, and for herself personally as well. In 2014, just four months before the Asia Games, she had accidentally dropped 140 kilograms of weight on her thigh oh during God. a training session. It was on the video as well. It looks oh terribly painful. I can't watch yeah, that. Oh my I God. Like that. I kind just... of like gasped when I saw that. Yeah. Yeah. So the accident caused a ma- massive injury and torn the uh, parts of, uh, I think it was muscles on her right side. Um, her positivity was infectious. Um, so that's why, you know, she felt, actually felt slightly relieved during the recovery period. Kuo said that she mm. was happy being injured because during the training, uh, she had to maintain a certain weight and body shape. Right. She was not permitted to eat junk food, but on the first day in the hospital, Coach Lin bought in McDonald's to cheer her up. Well, that's nice. Yeah. Um, she said that I've made peace with my injuries and I spoke to the injuries every day during that time. It's like wow. having a monologue to motivate myself on the road to recovery. Yeah, that's yeah. nice. Um, the setback with the injury has impacted the team, but uh, they did persist with positive attitudes, trust and support for each other. She won a bronze medal at the Asian Games in 2014. So mm-hmm. she had like the injuries just four months before, but she recovered just before you know, the, the game started. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Guo mentioned that sometimes she does feel frustrated due to her own family situation. She works hard to improve her family financially. She got quite teary when talking about it. I think mm. uh, it's very similar to a lot of indigenous families in Taiwan mm. where you don't start from a very good socioeconomic um, standard and yeah. they had to really push themselves yeah. um, in whatever they do. From when I was watching the video, you can tell that the pressure mounted on her, like mm. it's really hard, yeah. And she mentioned that it sometimes could take her to the brinks of breakdown. She would often just cry to herself and then pick herself up again to continue with the training. Yeah, that's so inspiring. For her... You can tell that she enjoys weight training, but at the same time, she feels like she doesn't have any other choice but just to push on. Right. Yeah. Uh, a senior team member, Hong Wang Ting, which is from another tribe, Beinan tribe, uh, comments that Guo is extremely close with her family. She adores her younger sister, always buys souvenir whenever they've gone, wherever they've gone com- to compete. Mm. And... Her, the team member credits that their positivity to their indigenous natural attitudes towards positive life. Um, just a, a natural way of positivity in life. It just feels like 
oh yeah, we have challenges coming in, but we're just gonna have a have to face it. Yeah, I think that's quite healthy. Yeah, yeah that's very healthy. I think I, I guess that's why that she can continue on. Because can you imagine like the pressure that yeah, the athletes I can't. face? I can't imagine <laughs> at all. It's 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 incredible. Like representing your representing your country and yeah, you have like millions of insane. people watching. It's so like I I've been telling people mm-hmm. this week actually like I am not someone who particularly idolizes anyone, especially athletes, because like mm-hmm. it feels like. So I guess I've been thinking about it in the sense that I have never been attracted to athletes. In, like I've never dated an athlete because mm-hmm. I just think, well, like I don't really admire them in the way that I might say admire a writer or an artist, right? And also mm-hmm. I just think I wouldn't have anything in common with them, you know? But I have to say this week, Helen, mm-hmm. that watching these Olympians do what they do, especially when I watch gymnasts, um, I just think like I watch, I mm-hmm. look at them and I think that there must be like hours – and years and years and years and hours and hours of, like, absolute mm. fucking dedication. Um, all of that which is invisible to you and me, you know, yeah. that must have gone th- gone through um, in order for them to be where they are and for them to perform in the way that they perform on the screens that we see. And then I just think, God, there is such a beauty to that discipline. Yeah. There's such beauty in that discipline. And I, I, I suddenly thought... Wow, I really think like that is quite beautiful. Mm-hmm. You know, there's nothing like discipline. Yes. Yeah, it's very beautiful. Mm. And here we're sharing the backstories of you know one particular athlete, and everyone can get to know about exactly. Them. Exactly. They're just they're more than just what you see on screen. They're more than uh, what you see they perform at the Olympics. Yeah, I feel like she's she's such a humble athlete yeah she looks very down to earth yeah and um from the video that i was watching which i'll share on the links um in our show notes i encourage everyone to watch it even though it's in chinese but um they are too they are there's a lot of english yeah there's english as well so um like what i'm telling everyone now is practically like a translation of that chinese version um she's so humble and she really knows the importance of gratitude uh, as well as paying it forward um, mm. Just before the Rio Olympics, she donated her prize money from the previous competitions to purchase an ambulance for a rural hospital in Penghu, which is an island off Taiwan's west coast. Oh, wow. Yeah, she recognized the experience of injuries in 2014 and understands the pain of people in the lower socioeconomics are facing. And she keeps contact with her coaches as well, which is yeah. amazing. You know, sometimes mm-hmm. people once get popular and famous they lost the contact of their yeah. previous coaches or contact, yeah, or anyone they know before. The reporter also asked her what would she be doing if she is not weightlifting. Quo mm. said that she wanted to open a breakfast shop at her yeah. hometown. <laughs> yeah, I read that as well. I saw that yeah. in the documentary. That was really cute. It's really cute, yeah. So because it's a regional city uh, on the south east coast of Taiwan, she knows many children that have similar background to her growing up in a predominantly lower socioeconomic family. She wants to help those kids to have a nutritionist food first thing in the morning. Mm. It was really good to know. Like you, you know that she's very human. Yeah. Like, even though that she's like the gold medalist and she won a couple awards in Taiwan as well. Uh, she still knows that she needs to help people 
yeah. not just because she's there to be popular, but she knows that she needs to pay for it. Yeah, I love that. She seems like such a real person, which is what I really like. Yes, very lovely, yeah. Um, at the end of the video, Coach Lin's word to Guo was that, um, I believe his words was very useful for all the athletes too. He said that success is by accumulations of trainings, not by miracle. Challenge your boundaries, always go out of your comfort zone. Yeah. That's good. I wonder how I can implement that in my life. <laughs> I think we all, like we're doing trainings on whatever things that we're focusing on. You're doing trainings on your writing. Yeah. Everyone just have different aspects in their life. I think it's very suitable for everyone what the advice given by the coach. Mm. Yeah. The reason that we're emphasizing or sharing stories of Guo Xinchun is because I think she's such an importance of representation as Asian woman. Yeah. As in... When I was growing up, I rarely see women in weightlifting. Like, they're not very broadcast on the TV that we saw. And there's always, like, a misconception of women shouldn't be muscular. Yeah. Uh, it seems uh, so muscular and you lose your femininity, all that kind of crap stereotype. And I know that a lot of women like us who is, like, first or second generation or Chinese watching the game... And everyone said they cried. Yeah. Yeah. Seeing an Asian woman who's Chinese standing on the podium receiving a gold medal for weightlifting. Yeah. That's so inspirational. I know. Yeah. yeah absolutely. It means so much to us. Yeah. Yeah. I love it too. I love it too. Yeah. Um, so we're doing another shout out for Butter Butter this week. What's your you receive yours this week, Jess? Yeah, your it is honestly. Yeah, I'm not think? joking. It was the most comfortable uh, activewear I have ever slipped on. Honestly, uh, it was the material yeah. is so good. Like all the activewear I've ever used has been like really tightening and spandexy. Like mm-hmm. it felt like my mm. my my like body was like being kind of like. Like it felt like being strapped in a straitjacket. Yeah, exactly, strapped in. Yeah, <laughs> but this was like incredibly like oh my god, it was just so soft. Like it was so mm-hmm. soft and unstrapped like that. I felt like I could go to bed with it. That's was yeah. That was how comfortable it was. Yeah, it is. Yeah. yeah. Oh my god, it's so freaking comfortable. It's just absolutely beautiful. Yeah, and it's warm too. And it's not. I think there's a there's te- there's a technology that everyone have to look up. I don't know. I can't remember. It's a kind of like sweat resistant, but it's ventilates as well, <laughs> something like that. So it's it's really good for all sorts of exercise. So Bada Bada is a womanly brand that was found with a global objective in mind to produce a carefully created range of activewear that address. The most common pain points in women all around the world, whether you're lounging around on the go or at the gym, active wear should be functional, flattering, and excel in performance. The advanced proprietary blend of fabrics are manufactured to exceed the current stance on the market. Butter butter, pull no punches with quality, durability, technology, and feel. I actually also want to stress their products are reasonably priced and at the same time very durable. Um, I love that they on their website where you emphasize on the part that uh, the social their social responsibilities to minimize environmental impact with compostable mailers and they are very dedicated to oppose fast fashion. 
With collaboration with Barabara, we have a special code for our listeners. Thanks to Barabara, they are giving our listeners a $10 off uh, on each order with the code ABDU10 at the checkout. And for a limited time only, I just found out this week that they are doing free shipping globally. Oh, yeah. amazing. Fantastic. Yeah, it's really good. I just got mine this uh, yesterday afternoon as well. I can't wait to... Uh-huh. Put it on where I've already got a pair which is with yeah, the pocket and yeah. the one that's just right is without the pocket and I'm just going to try their sports bra as well because I, de- I, I can never find a perfect pair of sports bra anywhere. Really? Yeah. yeah. No, yeah. yeah. It's either too tight or they're too loose, yeah. you know, like yeah, exactly. the Asian body, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> right. Mine has always been too tight. Like I have mm. to... Like I think I have one um, that I got from Bonds, and it, it mm-hmm. feels like whenever I put it on, it's it actually hurts my wrist because it's so tight, and I find mm. it hard to get on and off. Yeah, Honestly, yeah, yeah. It's so like restrictive. Yeah, the bottom bit just under your boobs. But yeah. this is like this just slips on. Yeah. So what have, what exercise yeah. have you been doing using this active wear? Well, I've been doing a lot of it. Um, I've been doing obviously mm-hmm. a lot of um, yoga. I do yoga. Um, yeah, I do yoga every day, and I've also been doing qigong with my oh, favorite really? um, yoga instructor. Yoga with um, yeah, mm-hmm. Mood with James. Um, so you should check out Mood with James. I'll cool. add the to a show notes. So Mood with James. James Raphael is like this extraordinarily kind, beautiful man who is from the UK and he does like really calming kind of exercises. I found moving with James because I I have been experiencing wrist pain that I just can't heal. And so like I do wrist free yoga with James and Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, it's just so good. I just love I like look forward to his um videos every day so much. Yeah. And we need to catch up and do a the FaceTime exercise over the weekend. Yes. Yes, that's right. You're going to do it with everyone. Yeah, very good. Okay, so on to our next topic. Uh, Last week, I saw someone share on Instagram about this so-called self-proclaimed Queen of Congee. I don't know if you have seen uh, the brand called Breakfast Cure. Uh, Breakfast Cure? Yeah, Breakfast Cure. I was, like, we've, we've spoken about cultural appropriation in our previous episodes as well. So I was fascinated to see what all the fuss is about because it went blew up on the uh, a couple of the Asian forums. So I got onto their Instagram and Breakfast Cure is a very glamorized, aesthetically white image. I'm saying white because mm-hmm. you can see the Insta page is all like pastel color tiles with positivity quotes. A very cottage-like, oh <laughs> cottage-like yeah, yeah. feel. Yeah. Cottagecore. Yeah. yeah, cottagecore, sorry. Very cottagecore kind of feel. And uh, if you don't know what cottagecore is, listen to our previous episode. Pod- yeah. On it, yeah. <laughs> it was a really fun episode, yeah. Um, so this self-proclaimed congee company selling porridge to white people at a very inflated price uh initially i was thinking okay is she trying to gentrify congee because mm-hmm. the products that i saw the type of congee that she sells it's like in the like a uh muesli pack individually packed muesli looks like a muesli mm-hmm. but they yeah they, pro- they contain rice that's why 
I guess that's why she calls it congee rather than porridge. So people are saying that she's actually whitewashing and ex- I can't even pronounce the word exoticizing exoticizing yeah, the traditional food and making a profit out of it. Yeah. So the owner is called uh, Karen Ta- Taylor. Mm-hmm. On the website, she said that how I discovered the miracle of congee and improved it. This is what she also said. I spent a lot of time modernizing it for the Western palate, making wow. a congee that you can eat and find it delicious and doesn't seem foreign. Oh my god, that's so racist! But delivers doesn't seem foreign. <laughs> oh god! But the delivers all the medical medicinal healing properties for this ancient recipe. Taylor refers to this reimagined congee as a gourmet foodie version mm. for the traditional dish, and she even called it the new frontier. After she described that the traditional congee as this sort of weird thing. That's even more racist. Yeah. Tyler was called out by an English and Asian American study professor at Miami University by the name of Anita Manu, who actually questioned Tyler, like, why do you think our food always needs improvement? You mm. know, the reinforcement of the idea of the Asian traditional food needs improvement by white people sends out the message that Asians are lagging behind the rest of white America. Exactly. And so apparently it falls onto some white woman to save Asian food from <laughs> Asian people. Yeah. We've had the rolling conversations about this because we have had a couple of per- podcast episodes, Helen and I, about yeah. the appropriation of food and like who is allowed mm-hmm. to own or open or like appropriate f- what kind of foods. Like it's or it's like similar to, you know, whose story are, are we allowed to are we allowed to narrate i guess like mm-hmm. you know lionel shriver and her infamous controversy about oh i get to tell whatever story i want it's um it's a very kind of mm. it's a level of entitlement that i feel like historically it's easier for white people to believe that that's right know? yeah because the history of colonialism and imperialism etc white supremacy that's right Mm-hmm. And you know, they just it feels like um, the superiority of white people. They have a sense of entitlement to appropriate other cultures' food, like thinking that they're promoting it into white community. But yeah. in reality, they're doing it in a very bad way, which like taking the space out of the people of color, which who should be the real people. Like who truly knows the essence of those food, you know? It's like creating a false sense for those people exactly. who try your products and linking the idea of authenticity, yeah, to your products. Like when the worst white people actually try the real congee, how are they gonna feel? Yeah, exactly. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I hate that sense of like, oh, I'm gonna take this foreign thing and make it better. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, I hate disgusting. it so much. It's so it's so awful. Yeah, it's so disrespectful. It's like I'm civilized and so I'm making this primitive thing better. That's so imperialistic. Yeah. Um, I actually got a very great response from our listener. Uh, she said that it's that the sense of there is something disgusting about other cultures' traditions, so I must take it to make it better. And calling herself Queen of Konji, the lack of respect or admiration, racist attitude, gives us a real bad feeling but role railing and capitalizing on other cultures' traditions seems like an American way since that the Mahjong situation was only a little while ago. Remember this white yeah. woman who's changing the Mahjong to make it American? Wait, really? When did this yeah. happen? I think it was earlier this year. Yeah. I, I can't remember if we 
mention it, but、right. I've heard on other Asian podcasts there's a really funny and messy incident. And when I see that she、um, mentioned on her website that she's cultivating the food for Western palate, <laughs> like fuck off! Don't、yeah. eat the food if you can't handle the taste. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, this week I'm because of Helen. Yeah, Helen sent me that.、Um, yeah, I made vegan congee for me and Andrew, and it was so fucking delicious.、Mm-hmm. And I was like, the whole time we were eating it, I was just like, "Hey, this is so easy."、Um, I don't even know why. Like,、uh-huh. I don't do it, but you know, I've been telling myself it's. I know why because the mum, how mum makes like an amazing. Just she's like the best Taiwanese cook, so I just always never felt、yeah. like necessary to cook Taiwanese food. <laughs> Now that I live out of home, obviously that I don't know. Yeah, to do it yourself. Well, like、yeah. I, I do want to learn how to make Taiwanese food.、Uh, yeah, I just need、mm-hmm. a lot of the ingredients. That's right. Yeah, sometimes ingredients are hard to come by. Yeah, that's why I got the, like a huge package for mum's birthday.、Week. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I wanted I it, but then the Helen、Taiwanese、said, "Yeah, Helen said that it's like only limited edition, and it's from like the Sunny、mm. Bank people in Brisbane, which is like hot spot for Taiwan people." Taiwanese、yeah. people, a lot of Taiwanese <laughs> people in Sunnybank. Shout out to Sunnybank listeners! Yay! Okay, so anything else? No, I think、um, that's a wrap for this week. Yeah, so that's the end of our episode. Remember to subscribe to our podcast on Spotify, Google, and Apple. If you have enjoyed our show, please give us a five star rating. We welcome listeners to send us your feedbacks or any topics you would like us to explore. We would also love to know what you are listening, watching, or reading during this crazy pandemic period. Check out our updates on our socials and make sure that you share with your friends to help us to、uh, extend the visibility of Asian bitches down under and continue the intersectionality in the podcast industry. Yeah, more voices.、Mm-hmm. Well, guys, stay. If you're in Sydney, stay positive. It's a, gonna be a warm one this weekend. Yes. So、um, nice to just sit in your front yard or backyard, <laughs> or or wherever that you have your safe space. And you know, guys, take it easy on yourselves. It's a hard time.、Mm-hmm. Look up after yourself. Look after yourself. Stay safe. We'll chat to you next week. Yep. Bye. Okay, bye. <laughs>